Thank you. Um, <laughs> uh, I've known Rick for about 15 years now. And um, when we came back uh, this past June, and um, uh, Rick and I, we went out and had lunch uh, together. And uh, he said, now, don't feel like you have to come back to this church. <laughs> and um, I never did really feel that. Um, I'm, I'm here not because of uh, any obligation. I'm here because I want to be here. Yeah. Um, always been. <laughs> it's good to be wanted. <laughs> Actually, it's good to be anywhere. Um, you know, I, I, I don't think I'm ever going to forget Wayne's sermon from last month. I mean, how often do you go and hear a sermon being preached when the preacher's waving a sword over his head, you know? <laughs> I thought that was very effective. Frightening, but effective. But uh, Wayne, uh, he talked about, you know, how God always accepts us, regardless of who we are, what we are, and what we've done. And uh, I kind of wanted to take off on that a little bit and talk about what happens afterwards. And that is, uh, there's an obligation that's, finally, that's placed upon you. It's an obligation to serve. It's not, you don't go home Sunday afternoon and it's business as usual afterwards. Uh, you know, you just, you know, you, you said you're a sinner's prayer and uh, you're okay. But that's not the way it really is. There's, a, there's an expectation of service uh, placed on you. And I want to turn to uh, Psalms 100. And I'm going to be reading out of the King James Bible. And I want us to keep that thought about serving God. What does that really mean uh, to you personally? It says, make a joyful noise unto the Lord, all ye lands. Serve the Lord with gladness. Come before his presence with singing. Know ye that the Lord is, he is God. It is he that has made us and not we ourselves. We are his people and the sheep of his pasture. Enter into his gates with thanksgiving and into his courts with praise. Be thankful unto him and bless his name. For the Lord is good, his mercy is everlasting, and his truth endures to all generations. Heavenly Father, I ask for your anointing upon my life. I ask for your strength to be upon me as well. Father, and I just pray for a move of your spirit that you would touch each person at their point of need. And I give you thanks for it in Jesus' name. Amen. Now, that phrase, serve the Lord, in various different contexts throughout the Bible, recurs about 91 times. As opposed to the term born again, which comes only three times in the New Testament. And it's not to minimize born again. That's definitely a, uh, an imperative, that we all be born again. But when the Bible repeats something continuously 
from Genesis to Revelation to serve the Lord, that should mean something to us. And as I said, there is an obligation that is placed upon us to, uh, to serve God. And when we think about serving God, you know, I think that means different things to different people, kind of depending on where you are and uh, what, uh, what you feel like God is doing, upon, doing in your life. We all have different talents. We all have different gifts. We all have different abilities. No two are exactly alike. Um, but how do, we, how do we define what really serving the Lord is? Uh, what, what is it really all about? And I think the best way to articulate that is to look at Jesus. I remember uh, several years ago, uh, I was going to preach here, and uh, Pastor Rick, before I began, he said, what are you going to preach on? And I said, I'm going to preach on Jesus. <laughs> Could you be more specific? <laughs> But uh, that's what I'm going to do. I'm going to preach on Jesus. <laughs> and I'm going to go to uh, Mark chapter 10, uh, verse 43 to 45. Now look at an example of how, what Jesus meant by serving the Lord. Now the disciples have gotten into this weird discussion about who's going to be great in the kingdom. You know, who's going to get to sit on the right hand, left hand, you know, all this juvenile uh, stuff. Uh, Believe me, if you aspire to a position of authority, uh, be very careful because, I mean, it's a good, good thing, but it also carries great responsibilities. And so whatever you choose to do, whatever you feel like God is calling you to do, you better be sure you really know that God's calling you to do it. Now, as a pastor, and I'm sure Rick can testify to this, I've had people, as a pastor, I've had individuals come up to me and say, well, I think God wants me to teach the Sunday school class. And I say, okay, well, we'll let you have, you know, you, uh, the person, you know, has been a Christian for quite some time and qualified. And then six months later, comes up to me again and says, God doesn't want me to teach it anymore. <laughs> you know, I, I, I thought I had taught better than that. Apparently not. But this is what Jesus had to say. Not so with you. Instead, whoever wants to become great among you must be your servant. And whoever wants to be first must be slave to all. For even the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve, and to give his life as a ransom for many. Now, I think we need to examine what Jesus means here when he says, I come not to serve, not to be served, but to serve, and to make my life as a ransom for many. Paul said that he who knew no sin became sin for us. That means that all the sins that you have committed and all the sins that everyone else has committed, even the ones that were born before you and who will be born after you, Jesus atoned for those. That was what Hebrews refers to as the once and for all sacrifice. I'm kind of paraphrasing in my own words. But here you're looking at the perfect man, the man or the God man, and he is taking your sin upon himself. He has paid the ransom. Now that's that's a pretty high call. Now none of us can fulfill that calling. But what Jesus says, if you're going to be the head, if you're going to be the leader, then you better be prepared to be the servant 
to the people who you are leading. Now, it doesn't matter whether you're the pastor of the church or whether you're uh, a Sunday school teacher or a nursery worker or whatever it is. Or it may be just a one-on-one conversation at the Dunkin' Donuts with a colleague or with a friend. And you're telling them about Jesus, what he's done in your life. You are in a position of leadership. All Christians are in a position of leadership to one degree or another, in one way or another. So Jesus sets himself up as an example for us to follow. Now, when you look at Jesus, you see he gets up early in the morning to pray. His whole life is devoted to ministering to other people, to to meeting their needs, whether it be feeding thousands or whether it be ministering to large crowds or whether it be crossing the Sea of Galilee just to talk to one crazy guy who's demon-possessed. Now, you, you look at that particular example where Jesus uh, delivers the demoniac in uh, the Gadareans. He only stays for one day. It was a day. For him, it was just a day trip. And, he, and the man wanted to go back with him. He says, no. He put a sense of commitment upon that man. He says, no, go back and tell your family what's happened to you. Go back and tell the people in the village, the people who are scared to death of you, that they change you to a wall in a cave. And tell them what God has done for you. You see, he, play, he not only delivered him, saved him, but he placed upon him a responsibility. He made him a leader. That's quite a transformation, going from a crazy guy to now somebody who is in the forefront of preaching the gospel in a place where Jesus is not even going. So he sets up as an example for us to follow. Serving God is his will for your life. That's why I say when when you come to salvation, you come to a turning point. Now, how many veterans do we have here? Veterans. Okay, you know what the word to the rear march means. You're marching along, the order's given, and you turn around. Without missing a beat, you're moving in the opposite direction. And that's what you're doing when you get saved. You turn around. The idea of repentance means to change your mind. It doesn't mean you get up on Monday morning and say, oh, I'm going to start behaving myself now. I'm going to stop drinking. I'm going to stop smoking. I'm going to, you know, you start coming up with your, uh, you know, list of resolutions that you're going to do as a newborn Christian. And you find out that you can't do it real quickly. And so you give up. But that's not how it works. My mind has not only, I've not only changed my mind in the sense that I'm going to change my behavior I'm going to change my mind in the sense that it's not going to be the same mind that it used to be. It's going to be a different mind. It's going to be a mind that's filled with the Holy Spirit. It's going to be a mind that is focused on Him because He who keeps His mind, He will keep you in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on Him. So service is God's will for your life. Now, I can't tell you what God wants you to do. That's something that's between you and God. God may want you to be a teacher. He may want you to be a missionary. He may want you to clean toilets in the church. I have no idea what God has you to do, but whatever it is that God has called you to do, that is your specific call on your life, and he holds you responsible for fulfilling it.
And he will not ask you to do something that is beyond your ability without the Holy Spirit giving you that ability to do it. And he will always put you in a position where you have no other choice but to trust God to get it done. He's not calling you to do it because he knows you can do it. He's calling you to do something by which he will manifest himself in your life that will draw you closer to him and will also be an example to other people. Serving God is intended to be a source of pleasure. It's... Uh, we. we I think tithing is a, is a good example. Now, I've, uh, I'm sure you have too, where, um, well, I'll give you an example. Uh, when I was in the Church of God, uh, we would have these uh, meetings once a year, uh, kind of like a camp meeting. And when it came to the offering, uh, in this particular instance, somebody would get up, kind of like what Pastor Bill does, only, Pastor Bill takes maybe about five minutes, read the scripture and exhort you. Think about spending an hour listening to a sermon on why you should give and uh, how bad you are if you don't give. <laughs> and then at the end of the service, if there's not enough money there, they'll take up another offering. That puts upon the individual a sense of obligation in the sense that if I don't give, I'm a bad person. And when the Bible says to give freely and that God will return, press down, shaking together and running, you know, it's not something, you don't give because God's going to give you something back. You give because you want to give. Regardless of how God is going to bless your life. How God blesses your life is none of your business. That's his business. And he'll do it. He'll always bless your life. He'll always meet your needs. He will always go above and beyond what you could think or ask. But he expects nothing less from you than your very best. So there is an obligation that you are responsible for. But again, you don't do it because I feel guilty if I don't do it. I do it because it makes me closer to God. I, I feel closer to God. You know, I feel closer to God when I'm up here preaching the word. Not because you're all paying attention to me and that's a good ego trip. but <laughs> And some people are kind of caught up in that. But I know that when when I am doing what God wants me to do, I feel his pleasure. As it says in Psalms 100 and verse 2, it says, Serve the Lord with gladness. You know, if you're doing something for God and, and it's a drudgery for you, you and God need to get alone somewhere and talk about this. You know, am I, why am I burning out? Now, I have... I have seen instances where uh, people in the church devote themselves too much to serving the church. And I know of one particular instance um, where that ended up in a divorce. You know, and that's tragic when that happens. It's not what God intended. 
God always has a balance for your life. There's a time to serve in a church. There's a time to serve in your family. There's a time to uh, play with the kids or with the grandkids. Um, and you have you have other obligations placed upon you, especially if you've got kids in school. You know, they're going to soccer practice. They're going to band practice. They're going to this practice, that practice. Uh, you know, and you're being pulled in different directions. How do you serve the Lord under those conditions? Well, that's between you and God to figure out. <laughs> you know, I can't give you a formula for that. But that's why prayer is so important, you know, when it comes to serving God. The, the main way to serve God is not in doing things, but it's in prayer and fasting and allowing the Holy Spirit to live his life through yours. That's what service is really all about. It's making yourself available to be used by the Holy Spirit in whatever way that the Holy Spirit desires, however humble it might seem. In 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 12 and 13, it says, This service that you perform is not only supplying the needs of the Lord's people, but it's also overflowing in many expressions of thanks uh, to God because of the service by which you have proved yourself, others will praise God for your obedience uh, that accompanies your confession of the gospel of Christ and for your generosity in sharing with them and with everyone else. In other words, when you're serving God, do it with all your heart. Give as much of yourself as you can to that service and what happens is you're not only meeting an immediate need, but you're also meeting needs that you may never be aware of. Serving God through our resources like time, money, abilities, talents is far more effective for reaching people for Christ than anything else that we do. Now, I'm going to take another survey here. How many people came to this church for the very first time because somebody invited you. Raise your hand. Okay, quite a few. Now, I've taken that survey in other churches, and sometimes the hand raises the majority. But whether it's, you know, just a couple of people or whether it's a large number of people in the congregation, the point is this, that 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 one-on-one touch, that invitation, that's far more effective in changing people's lives than anything else that I know of. Now, I've been to these evangelism classes. I've been to all these seminars. And, um, you know, and uh, I remember I went to one seminar years ago, and they talked about how do you minister to the postmodern man. Now, I'm trying to think, is that something like a Neanderthal man, or is that? (laughs) Probably. Probably. you know, when I, I looked at the list of different things that the postmodern man is looking for in, in their lives, these are the same needs that people have had for thousands of years. What's so postmodern about it? Well, what was the modern man like? Or the pre-modern man? We all, people throughout history have always had needs. There's always been a need in each of us to have that some evangelists would call a God-sized hole in our lives that only God can fulfill. That's what people, people need the Lord. 
Remember that chorus long ago, people need the Lord? Yeah, a few of you know it. <laughs> how, many, how, many, how, how many people here know what Pastor Rick's favorite movie is? Tell me. Wonderful Life. <laughs> what about what? Rocky? <laughs> I don't think I'd want to get in a ring with Rocky. But my personal favorite is Dr. Shivago, but that's irrelevant. Now, what was George Bailey's big problem? He thought he was a nothing. He thought his life didn't amount to anything, just because he lost $8,000. <laughs> so Clarence shows him what the town would look like without him. You know, it wasn't a good, wasn't a good thing. So you don't know the effect that your life is having on other people. That's between that person and God. And you don't know what... Uh, how that will reciprocate uh, through that person to other people. And it's not always uh, by taking them to church and listening to a sermon. That, that may be it. Maybe it's taking them to uh, Dunkin' Donuts or Starbucks for a cup of coffee. Or maybe it's a visit in the hospital. Um, serving God through our resources is, and through our time and through our own personal effort, uh, is how many people come to Christ. In Romans chapter 12, verse 6 and 6 through 8, Paul writes, And we have different gifts according to the grace given to each of us. Uh, if your gift is prophesying, then prophesy, in accordance to which, uh, which, in according to your faith. If it is in serving, then serve. If it is in teaching, then teach. Uh, if it is encouraging, then give encouragement. If it is giving, then give generously. If it is to lead, do it diligently. If it is to show mercy, do it cheerfully. Now, I don't know what your gifting is, but how many here cannot give a word of encouragement? I don't think there's anybody here that can't do that. That's easy to do. Uh, you can always give. Uh, in one way or another. I remember one time uh, when we, before we Ed and I first went on the mission field, we had to um, we had to go up to Springfield for an interview. And the only problem is the brakes of my car were wore out, <laughs> and I wasn't going to go anywhere. A lady in the church gave us the equivalent of her weekly paycheck for us to get new brakes, and I've had. Uh, I've seen people do many expressions of generosity in that way. When you take up a missions pledge, that's a sacrifice that you make. Or when you pledge to a building fund, you're making a sacrifice. I remember uh, when I was at Southeastern, right after Ed and I got married, we went to, uh, we went to a particular church in Lakeland. And uh, we had a pastor that did something unusual one Sunday night. He's passing around the offering plate. And he said, I want you to put some money in the offering plate. If you don't have any money but you need money, then take it out. 
Take out what you can have. What a challenge, right? <laughs> I had $10 in my pocket. The only $10 I had <laughs> until I got my next paycheck, which was at the end of the week. This is Sunday. Friday's coming, you know. That's all I had, you know, to live on. And God's, you know what God said. He said, put the $10 in the offering plate. <laughs> now, I'm not going to tell you that I put in $10 and God gave me 100 later on. God didn't give me anything later on. <laughs> but on payday, the whole week, I didn't need that $10. You know, I got, got along fine. Uh, you see, when we talk about, you know, give and it shall be given unto you, pressed down, shaken together, running up, that's not some opportunity for some uh, pro- prosperity preacher to get you to give up your money. That's a promise from God. And it doesn't mean that if you give $10, God's going to give you 100 It means that if you give out of the abundance of your possessions, God will meet your needs in abundance. It's like David said in Psalms, I've never seen the righteous forsaken nor no, begging for bread. Now, I know in my own personal experience, when we were new in the ministry, we weren't making a lot of money, and nobody, don't think that if you're going to go into the ministry, you're going to make money, okay? All right, maybe some guys can do it, but I, I couldn't. Um, and there have been times when there wasn't much, uh, especially when you're on the mission field. But yet God supplied the need. Yeah, put it on, place it on somebody's heart to, you know, buy something out like a box of cereal or a gallon of milk or things like that. And that's where you need to be sensitive. When you listen to people talk, really listen. When you visit people's homes, look around. See if there's a need. Talk to people. Find out what's going on in their lives. You see, that's what Jesus did. When Jesus was criticized for uh, socializing with prostitutes and tax collectors, he was not doing that because he's a people person and likes to be the center of attention. He does it because he wants to meet their need, the deep need in their lives. It's like the woman who was caught in adultery. The Pharisees threw threw her at his feet. And you know the story. But I like the rest of the story that says, go and sin no more. See, he placed upon her the responsibility to do something. Serving God is therapeutic. We must, uh, at one point or another, deal with hardships in our own lives, in one way or another. Now, uh, how many history buffs do we have here? Okay, got a couple. We didn't have any in the last service. (laughs) Now, I've taught history in school, and it's like, oh, gee, history. Because history is not always taught the way it should be taught. But I use this illustration. After World War II, Winston Churchill uh, was invited to give a commencement uh, speech at his old high school. And he's in his 70s at the time, and um, he's talking to these high school graduates. And it's considered to be one of his best speeches he ever gave, also his shortest. 
And he said three words three times. He said, never give up. Never give up. Never give up. Your encouragement to others is its importance is beyond what you could realize. And you may not realize it until you meet people in heaven. And that's, that is a great promise that we have, that, that the way I live my life, the way I talk, the way I behave, the way I act, will affect other people's lives. Now, I won't go into my medical history, which is extensive, uh, to say the least. But I've had on more than a few occasions, people say, well, if, if you can go through that, I can go through what I'm going through. You see, if you persevere, if you overcome the obstacles, even though you don't say a word, people are watching you. You are an example to the world. That's why Jesus said, you are the light of the world. You are a city on a hill. Nobody lights a candle and puts it under a bushel. And I've known people with great talent that won't express that talent in a positive way that they can be a blessing to other people. They just keep it to themselves for whatever crazy reason. I don't know. But I know, as I said before, that when I am doing what God wants me to do, I feel his pleasure on my life. Now, <clears throat> this, uh, this past November, Edna and I, we traveled out to California and wanted to spend Thanksgiving with uh, my daughter and her family. Now, on Thanksgiving Day, I woke up, I was feeling pretty good. And um, my daughter, Crystal, she was going to make her typical Thanksgiving health food dinner. Uh, which I was really looking forward to. Um, see, I miss my wife's broccoli casserole and, <laughs> you know, things that have all that cheese and junk on it. Um, but I began to feel sick during dinner. And that night I was admitted to the hospital. See, I had a bladder infection, uh, one of many uh, over the years. That was a Thursday night. They immediately put me on some antibiotics. And um, by Saturday morning, the infection became septic. And when you're septic, you, you really, you're not in your right mind. You don't really know what's going on. You don't know what, I had to concentrate on just breathing. And so they changed the antibiotics. I kept the, the doctors busy that day. They were taking blood samples along the way. That went on for a few hours, and then I began to feel better again. And later that afternoon, a doctor from China uh, came in, uh, uh, very well uh, uh, dressed, very well, uh, very articulate uh, individual. And he was a kidney specialist. And the reason for that, the reason why I needed a kidney specialist, is because I have a transplanted kidney, uh, thanks to my daughter. And he went over with me that during the time that I was septic, that my kidney was not affected by it. And, you know, he explained to me some things, you know, and uh, medical stuff, you know. About, and there was a nurse standing there uh, listening. And then when he's finished, he said, would you mind if I prayed for you? 
what am I going to say, no? <laughs> so I said, yeah, sure. So we prayed, um, you know, and the nurse was really taken aback. She said, wow, you know, I've never seen that before. You know, you get, you get medical treatment plus, you know, prayer, you know, in this place. That was a late Saturday afternoon. Sunday, they said, we're going to release you tomorrow. And I said, you know, are you sure? I mean, I really was at death's door. And he said, yeah, you, you know, this is a hotbed for germs and infection. You need to go home, <laughs> which is really comforting to know. Um, so I was sent home on Monday morning. Now, I would have come home. I would have come back to Boston on that day because that's when our flight was scheduled. But you guys decided to have a snowstorm and close the airport. So I had to spend another three days in California. So we got back Thursday night, close to around 11 o'clock midnight. Friday morning, I got up, felt great. Was able to go out and, you know, do some chores, get some things done. Now, when that doctor left the room, he had no idea what would happen in my life after that. He just did what, he was just obedient to God. If you be obedient to God, you may not get recognition for it. <laughs> but he sees you. And that's the only one that you really need to have watching you. That's when the good and faithful servant comes in. Serving God, however, comes at a cost. Um... And for some, a great cost. And for others, it costs everything. Some are called to make great sacrifices in order to fill what God has called them to do. Maybe go into the ministry or do something uh, of whatever nature. I don't know. But you will, at one point or another in serving God, be required to make a sacrifice. You cannot serve God otherwise. Otherwise, serving God is just something that you do as a matter of convenience. And God is never convenient. <laughs> now, some people have to overcome great obstacles and face uh, some, some really great disappointments in their lives. I know that personally in my own ministry, the people that we put the most effort in also provided the greatest disappointments. In 2 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 9 and 10, and I'm reading out of the King James again. And he said unto me, my grace is sufficient for you. For my, now listen to these words. Now you, some of you probably have already got it memorized. My strength is made perfect in weakness. God will stretch you to your limit. God wants you to recognize the weaknesses in your life for a reason. So Paul goes on to say, Most gladly, therefore, I'd rather glory in my infirmities that the power of Christ may rest upon me. Therefore, I take pleasures in infirmities, in reproaches, in necessities, in persecutions, in distress, 
for Christ's sake. For when I am weak, then I am what? Strong. He wants you to be in a position where you recognize your limitations and that you have no other choice but to trust him to get it done. Whether it be some issue in your own personal life or in some task that he has called you to do. And don't be surprised if God calls you to do something that is beyond your personal capacity to do. He will challenge you because he wants you to be in that position where you have no other choice but to trust him. That's why when Paul says, when I am weak, I am strong because Christ's strength is made perfect in your weakness, in your inabilities, in your lack Because he not only meets your needs, he wants to meet your needs. He wants the blessings of the Holy Spirit to be abundant in your life. Prayer and fasting is also an important means by which we serve the Lord. Jesus would get up early in the morning and pray. Jesus, before his crucifixion, thought it most important to get alone and pray. While his disciples were taking a nap, he was praying. It is said that Queen Elizabeth feared the prayers of John Knox more than she did the Spanish Armada. In Mark chapter 1, verse 35, verily early in the morning, while it was still dark, Jesus got up. He left the house and went off to a solitary place where he prayed. Now, you know, if he found it necessary to pray, being the member of the Trinity, then certainly that obligation is placed upon you. You see, serving God is as a Christian, is no more of a choice for you than it is for a slave to choose whether or not he wants to serve his master. He has to do it, or she has to do it. Now, if you want your life to have a greater sense of purpose, then serve the Lord. If you want to build his church, specifically this one, and serve the Lord. If you want God to say to you, well done, good and faithful servant, then be a servant of the Lord. Now, some of you may have had dreams for your life that didn't work out, that have left you disappointed and, and brokenhearted. Let me just say these two things to you. Number one, serve the Lord. Number two, Keep on dreaming. I'm going to close in prayer right now. um, Because I know my limit. (laughs) And Pastor Rick is going to come up and uh, give an altar call. But I want you to ask yourself this one question. Am I really serving the Lord to the extent that I am giving God nothing less than my very best?
Now, that's a question between that you have to deal with with God. As I said, he expects nothing less than your very best. God is not going to honor you if you're just doing what is expected. He honors those who go above and beyond. Is that what you're doing? Because that's what it takes. And that's why I say God is not a convenient God. He will always ask more of you than you think that you can give. But if you are obedient to him, he will give what you lack. And he will always do that because he is faithful to supply all of your needs according to his riches and glory and not yours. Amen. Let's all stand. I'm going to ask Pastor if you'll come up here, please. Heavenly Father, we thank you. And we've had this time to look into your word, to experience your presence in this place. So I ask now, Lord, that you touch each person here today. Speak to us, Lord. Help us to be silent before you so that we can hear your voice. Let us come into your presence with thanksgiving. and serving you with gladness. And we give you thanks for it in Jesus' name. Amen.